Hi, it's Al Murdoch, public address announcer for the Vancouver Canucks, and you're listening to On the Board Sports Podcast. And welcome back to another edition of the Off the Board Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Shawnee on the mic. Happy Tuesday to all. Joined by my main man, my co-host, William Chirucci, a.k.a. Will C. Will, happy Tuesday, pal. How are you doing? Doing all right. Can't complain. Day after Memorial Day. Shout out to each and every vet that served this country. And also shout out to every essential worker out there that is, you know, like I said, we keep on naming this countless amounts of times on every episode, but it's a thankless job and we get that 100%. So just want to say thank you to every essential worker out there uh, during this pandemic. They're truly great. But Sean, we have a very special guest with us today. Well, we do. Joining us from Fansided and the NFL Spin Zone, amongst other platforms the one the only russell baxter russell thank you for making some time how are you doing pal i'm doing great now i just noticed your name shawnee on the mic yeah <laughs> now this is going to sound very funny uh started writing um, a newsletter this is how i broke into the business back in uh, 1983 uh-huh. um and i worked at a resort and it was called shawnee on the delaware Wow. <laughs> it's right outside of Delaware Water Gap. It's in the Poconos. That's okay. that started in a business. I started writing a newsletter. It eventually morphed into other things. I built a resume. Um, wound up at College and Pro Football News Weekly in the uh, late 80s. Uh, got hired by a, name nine, a guy named Howie Schwab, who ESPN people might know as Stump the Schwab. Yeah, up at ESPN, was there for 22 years, and I, I just have a blast doing what I'm doing. So, Shawnee on the mic, meet Shawnee on the Delaware. Welcome and glad to meet you, pal. Glad to meet you. <laughs> That's a funny, funny uh, story there, pal. Well, well, it just, it just shows you how you can get things done if you're really determined. Very true. On. And, uh, you know, I, I, I served a lot of different roles at the resort and so on, but uh, the owner of the resort was very supportive and uh, I actually went back there for many years as a quote unquote celebrity golfer <laughs> for the YMCA in which they raised money for local charities and so on. And I was like, there's something really strange about this. I used to work at this resort and now they're inviting me back to, you know, help out <laughs> charities and so on. It just, it, it's just amazing. So, right. Absolutely. Russell, you're, you're alluding to my question right now, which is great. How did you get started up in the sports writing business and where you are right now? A passionate fan, um, watched a lot of football, learned a lot of football from watching, um, always uh, was told by people, including my mother, that I had writing skills, uh, put two and two together and just started create for, I guess, yeah, creating content. How's that? And, you know, I beat the pavement and, uh, wrote for some magazines for free and, you know, wrote a newspaper column for $10 a week. And that's how you get experience. Um, sent my resume out. Uh, like I said, Howie Schwab saw it in 1987, uh, hired me out in New York. A paper doesn't exist anymore, College and Pro Football News Weekly, but one time was a semi-rival to Pro Football Weekly. 
Um, we did college and pro. It was based out in Long Island, you know, like the Beverly Hillbillies. I packed up and moved out to Long Island from Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, I'm out there in 1987. Lo and behold, there's a strike. So um, the, the paper, you know, let me go for a couple of months like they did a couple of people, but they brought me back and I was there for quite a while. And um, eventually uh, Howie was uh, working up at ESPN, recommended me because they were looking to expand their NFL coverage. Remember, ESPN finally got the NFL in 1987. Um, and then, you know, before that, you know, you had, and what was called NFL game day eventually became um, NFL countdown and then Sunday NFL countdown, then Monday night countdown and, uh, Monday night countdown was NFL prime Monday, even before then. And I wound up working on all those shows and I was with the network for a couple of decades and worked a lot of NFL drafts and probably had more fun than anything being in the studio with Chris Berman and Tom Jackson for NFL prime time for 17 years, never missed a show who would in their right mind right. football for a living. We had a blast. So now I've been writing for, uh, back to writing for like the last nine or 10 years. Um, and, uh, you know, Twitter and social media enables you to uh, create your own platform. I was behind the scenes person for the most part. Now, you know, a little more upfront, uh, which is a lot of fun. And a lot of my former colleagues, you know, following me on Twitter, I've had them on my podcast. Um, they've done a lot of great things for me and, and a lot of lifelong friends. Listen, this is, this is not heavy lifting, okay? We're not doing the work, okay? The players are the ones doing all the work, okay? Right. Some of us get to sit in the press box and eat a hot dog um, and have the best seat in the house, okay? So I always kept that in mind. It's very important. And, you know, working with the players and, and the hosts that I have for so many years and learning football from Tom Jackson, Sterling Sharp, Jim Kelly, Bill Parcells, Jimmy Johnson, who I worked in NFL draft was and was an unbelievable educating experience. Uh, you know, the guys like Mel Kuyper and then the hosts, the Chris Berman and Mike Tirico and Susie Culber. Um, you know, you can't replace all that. You know, when I used to go to meetings, you know, I'd made my share of contributions, but I was a listener. You know, if Bill Parcells had something to say about football, you know, I, I wanted to hear it. Right. Because, you know, not every and not every head coach has taken four different teams to the playoffs. In fact, he's the only head coach to take four different teams to the playoffs. Right. He talks, it's like Merrill Lynch. Okay? Listen. So that's how I learned football. I learned football from watching it on television, going to the occasional game, and then talking with people who actually played the game. That's awesome idea, Russell. That's awesome. Russell... Like I said, you do work f for fan-sided at NFL uh, Spin Zone. What I like about uh, both of those sites, especially uh, Spin Zone, is the coverage for not one team or two teams, but every mm -hmm. team, all of uh, the 32 teams. So just talk to me and Will about the work that you do there and for fan-sided. Uh, well, I mean, I'm in a very fortunate spot. Um, you know, they've given me a little latitude. Uh, you know, they have different sites. Um, you know, fan side it does, NFL spin zone. Um, you have steady writers, uh, you know, for a certain team. For me, I'm able to write all 32 teams. Um, so that's one of the reasons I'm, you know, they have me do power rankings. Um, I, you know, with spin zone, I kind of pick and choose what I can write. I mean, I have a couple of teams where I do more than others because they're looking for that. 
Um, but, uh, you know, the editors there for both sites um, have been allowed me to take advantage of my versatility um, in terms of, you know, I can write the Bears like I can write the Jaguars. I can write the Steelers like I can write the Giants. Um, because I watched the whole league, and that's what I did for so many years at ESPN and before that even as, as a fan. R real funny story. Uh, um, years before I went to ESPN, uh, my best friend who turned out to be my best man at my wedding, uh, we lived in the Poconos, and back then, uh, cable TV was a necessity in the Poconos if you wanted to watch TV. Uh, but eventually, we learned that if the local team uh, in Scranton, Pennsylvania was showing the Steelers game and the New York stations were showing the Jets and the Giants and the Philadelphia station was showing the Eagles, let's, not, let's get four televisions and, you know, hook up the cable to all four. So we would literally sit in a room for, you know, in his living room for seven hours and watch four games at the same time. And then later the doubleheader game. Football so much different now as far as it is on TV and so on. And watching all those games, I was able to accumulate a lot of knowledge. So funny enough, I go to ESPN, and one of my jobs is to sit in a room with about 15 televisions and watch all the games. And I remember people come up, he says, how do you manage to see at the same time? And I'm like, I kind of was trained for this, not even knowing it, okay? I said, this is, you know, it's 15 teams to do four. So... You know, it's just like a little upgrade. So isn't it amazing how life just kind of falls into place and, and you know, you know you're doing something that you were supposed to do and I'm lucky enough I do something I love. Absolutely. Absolutely, Russell. Talk to us about your podcast that you're doing right now. Well, we haven't done anything in the last couple of months and, you know, for obvious reasons and so on. Um, right. You know, people are doing what they're doing. But uh, Julie Void, who is uh, a former writer for Our Turf Football and NFL Female, um, we collaborate on something called PFG Vibe. And Vibe is, and one day I'll tell the story of how I came up with the Vibe. Um, it's Voight's Insights and Baxter's Expertise, V-I-B-E. Attach G Vibe to it. So Julie and I do some columns on occasion. Um, we've done 37 different shows, and the fact that I've, work with so many great people that come on the podcast. Like I said, we haven't done any shows in a while, but, you know, we've had, you know, Ed Werder and uh, Chris Mortensen and John Clayton. And, you know, we've had, a, you know, so many great people I, I work with. And, we're, and we'll get started back up here as life kind of turns back uh, to normal and so on. And, and we get closer to hopefully the preseason and more hopefully the Pro Football Hall of Fame, which is one of my favorite things to go to. I've been going pretty regularly for almost 30 years. Um, so, but it, it's on the website, siprofootballguru.com. There's a tab there. We still have all our shows that we've done over the years. I, every once in a while, someone will ask me for them and so on. But Vibe is a, is a lot of fun. Um, like I said, Julie's doing her thing right now, but we collaborate on occasion. We started doing these, um, this col these columns uh, recently called May We Have a Word. And I'll come up with 10 questions, and Julie and I have to only answer with one word. You get one word, okay? And, uh, you know, we throw them out there on Twitter and so on, and we try to get other people to respond. And it's a lot of fun. It's, you know how it is in this business now. You want to generate content, but you also want to generate content that has some meaning to it. Right. Gotcha. Well said there, Russell. Russell, I know that you've been covering and running about all 32 teams 
Did you have or do you have a favorite team or two? No. No, because I think in our business, um, and listen, I understand beat writers have favorite teams and they get close to the teams and so on. Um, but how do you do 32 teams power rankings and play favorites? Um, you know, and I, listen, I, I, I'm old school, the back of the days of no cheering in the press box. Okay. Um, I think being objective is very important. It's something that's very, very important to me. And uh, I think that's why I'm able to do some of the things I'm able to do and get, um, you know, I get my share of comments for being objective. It's, it, football is not personal. Okay. Um, it's fun. It's not, it's, you have to be professional. I mean, if you're just going to write about your favorite team all the time, okay, then you're going to be limited in what you can do. But I enjoy the whole league. I really enjoy the history of the National Football League. That's why going to Canton is always so much fun. And, uh, you know, Joe Horgan and I were recently on a show podcast. I think it was like an hour and 20 minutes. And we just talked about some of the fun amazing stories in NFL history, a lot of them having to do with Pro Football Hall of Fame. One of my favorite is Alan Page, um, the Minnesota Vikings defensive tackles in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, he was a young man in Canton, Ohio. Um, one summer, he was part of the construction crew of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Think about that. And uh, he wound up being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as, right. you know, it's story. I mean, how do you get a better story than that? I mean, right. so, so, you know, stuff like that in the old AFL and the, the old what's called the AAFC where the Cleveland Browns and the 49ers came from before the, the NFL. And um, there's so much. I don't know if you two have ever been to Canton, Ohio and been to the nope. Hall. I it, have. It, uh, forget the bucket list. It's the bathtub list. Okay. Understood. And if you get there and go there on enshrinement weekend, okay, well, believe me, there's a couple hundred thousand people there, and, it, and, it's, and it's, but it's so worthwhile. And, uh, you know, going to the jacket ceremony and going to the induction ceremony, the jacket ceremony, it's just amazing to see a hundred former Hall of Famers come back um, and then watch the, the new class get their jackets and them just be um, embraced by those people is just, I mean, when you're, you're sitting in a room and you, you see Bruce Smith and Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice and Mike Ditka and, you know, the late Don Shula, uh, you know, who was there so many times and Jim Brown and, yeah, it's, you know, for a football fan and a football historian, it's pretty overwhelming. Absolutely is. Speaking of history, the NFL last year celebrated its 100th anniversary. Mm -hmm. We know that the Kansas City Chiefs won their first Super Bowl in 51 years. And right now with everything that's going on, you know, we haven't seen a player like a Patrick Mahomes in really ever. So my question for you, Russell, is how will the Super Bowl champions fare this season coming up? Well, listen, I, I don't usually do predictions in August and I won't get until August and I won't start now. Okay. You know, the one thing I will say is they've had a pretty quiet off season. They have uh, like what I like to call dot the I's and cross the T's in terms of brought in little uh, uh, veterans to, as far as depth um, addressed, you know, added to the running back core in the, in, in the first round. The real major order of business yet, uh, you know, William, is getting Chris Jones under contract. 
Um, you know, they franchised him. He hasn't signed his tender yet. We saw the difference he made um, when he was available. He was a little banged up in the playoffs, but look at him down the stretch in the Super Bowl, swatting down those Jimmy Garoppolo passes and so on. Sometimes that doesn't isn't reflected in the stat sheet, but he made a big difference. And you talk about Patrick Mahomes, but to me, the real reason they won the Super Bowl was what their defense finally came yep. into its own. Yep. Really a slow start. You know, so much was made about the Super Bowl and, you know, the great Chiefs offense against the 49ers superior defense. And I reminded a few people, do you know who scored more points during the regular season? San Francisco. Right. <laughs> you know who gave up fewer points? Kansas City. Yeah. <laughs> Kansas City, by the way, went from 421 points allowed to 308. That's seven a game. And it took them a while. They remember they went to the 4-3, Steve Spagnuolo mm-hmm. um, changed things. They got off to a sluggish start, and they just played better as time went on. And that was a big reason. Then they ran the ball on Damian Williams and their offensive line. It's such a team effort. It wasn't like Patrick Holmes was, you know, stellar in the Super Bowl. You know, they're nerves by both of those teams you know the Chiefs obviously with very very you know Andy Reid had been there before um as a head coach uh you know and the the 49ers a whole different regime than when Jim Harbaugh took them there in 2012 so and you see that with the Super Bowl the first quarter is usually you know uh, Super Bowl and then all of a sudden you start to wake up a little and so on so um but there's a lot to be excited for. Keep in mind, no team has repeated since the 2003 and 04 Patriots. That's, That's right. a while now, you know, and there hasn't been that many teams to repeat in NFL history. If you really get down to the fact that there have been, you know, now 54 Super Bowl champions. So, uh, but they're primed. I will say this, that division, and you might see a piece on this later down the road, the <laughs> AFC West, could be very, very formidable from top to bottom. Denver is a team to keep an eye on. Um, the Raiders made some strides last year. They kind of fell apart down the stretch after being six and four. I'm still trying to figure out what happened to the Chargers, but it'll show you what it'll show you what an offseason guys can do to a team. Remember at the beginning of the year last year, Derwin James got hurt. Melvin Gordon was a holdout. It kind of set the tone. That that team was tied for the best record in the AFC right. in 2018. Last year they were five and eleven and zero and six in the division. So, are we going to have an instance where an entire division makes the playoffs? Remember, there's seven teams in each conference now. Right. It, it's it's not impossible anymore. Nope, not at all. Very well said, uh, Russell. Russell, um, my question for you is: We've had Tom Brady change teams. Mm-hmm. Gronk, Gronk came out of uh, the retirement. Uh, Rivers is now on the Colts. Dak wants more cash. I say all that to say this. What's been to to you the biggest headline of the offseason uh, so far? Well, the steadiest headline has been Prescott, okay, because it seems almost daily. And depending on who you listen to, and probably more significantly who you shouldn't listen to, <laughs> he's gotten this offer, he's gotten that offer, you know, he's gotten this, he's that, comparing him to different right? – listen – we understand the Dak Prescott situation. He was a fourth-round pick in 2016. He signed a contract, slotted contract like any fourth-round pick. He made $2.72 million in a total of four years. I understand he wants to get paid. I also understand that the Cowboys 
are a team that likes to pay their players. Um, but somewhere they got to come in between whatever his demands really are and what they want to pay him. The right. thing that really kind of changed everything for the team was last year when Ezekiel Elliott decided to hold out a couple of years before his new deal. Okay. So that kind of threw things, you know, threw things into, into chaos for lack of a better word. And, and look what happened with the Cowboys this off season in terms of free agency. They lost a lot of people. They yeah. tried to plug them back with Gerald McCoy and Don Terry Poe that my goodness, they, they got Alden Smith out of retirement slash suspension. Right. You know, but they think about who they lost, you know, Malik Collins and Jason Witten and, and um, Jones, the cornerback, and, you know, take, take your pick. You know, they had a lot of defections. So um, I think that's been the steadiest story. Uh, listen, Tom Brady playing for a team for 20 years, any player playing for a team for 20 years and then goes somewhere else. That's hard to top in terms of a story, although <laughs> – the Buccaneers certainly tried by, you know, him and it, by the, winding up getting Rob Gronkowski, who, you know, it's funny because a lot of people were, oh, boy, the you know, Patriots, oh, my God, they lost Rob Gronkowski. They didn't lose Rob Gronkowski, basically. They didn't play last year. They actually wound up getting a draft pick for a guy who they probably thought was not going to be with their organization ever again. So I would say Brady has been the top story, but the continuous Dak Prescott situation until he finally gets signed, it's probably a strong 1A. Another storyline that everybody keeps on talking about here is Cam Newton and where Cam Newton's going to go. Mm. With, and with him having and winning the Super uh, – with him winning an MVP award right. and being one of the top talents in the NFL back a couple of years ago now, we talk about him with his injury concerns, everything like that. Why isn't Cam Newton on an NFL roster yet? Well, I think part of it has to do with what we're doing right now. Okay. You see, we're able to do a show like this and we're not, we don't have to prove anything physically. Mm -hmm. Okay. Cam Newton can't go anywhere to show people how healthy he is. He's, he's relegated to doing it online or, or Instagram or, you know, and, and so on. And that's the concern. Let, let's go back. Like MVP in 2015, amazing season. It got to the Super Bowl um, midway through 2018. He takes a shot on the shoulder from T.J. Watt in a Thursday night game, and he's never really the same. They slumped. He didn't look like he was himself. He tried to play through it. They eventually sat him down, okay? And, uh, you know, that he has the off-season shoulder surgery. Uh, he comes back, and during the preseason, he injures his foot. They play the Rams and, and the Buccaneers in the span of five days, uh, both at home. He's not himself. He winds up being shut down for the year. So we really haven't seen Cam Newton play a lot of football for the low, or at least effective football for a year and a half. And because of what's going on worldwide, no one's really able to see him or talk to him in person. Or, you know, you only get to see what we see online. So that, I mean, that's an issue. Uh, and, and you combine the fact that there's not necessarily a lot of jobs out there starting wise. Now I know he's come out recently and said that he'd be willing to be a backup. Uh, I wrote a piece a couple of months ago places he could wind up. Um, the teams I had listed in this order, but they were all for different reasons. Um, Buffalo, I had Buffalo at five, the Rams at four, uh, Jacksonville at 
three, I think, and New England at two, and the Chargers at one. Well, I mean, New England's pretty set at what they want to do. The Chargers went out and drafted Justin Herbert. Um, we see what Jacksonville's doing, which I'm not quite sure what Jacksonville is doing because there's a lot of rumors about them getting rid of people, et cetera, et cetera. The Rams don't really have a backup quarterback. And Buffalo, the reason I brought up Buffalo was – um, you know, how many former Carolina Panthers are Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean going to sign this year? Okay. Mm-hmm. Josh Norman. I mean, think about, I mean, that's not unusual during free agency, but they brought in a lot of players that they're both familiar with during their day at Carolina. Um, you know, Cam, I guess Cam is just content with sitting and waiting. And so, now listen, people are saying, why did Jameis Winston get signed? You know, he, he all those turnovers. Well, Jameis Winston played last year. So you could see what Jameis Winston was. You know, Andy Dalton played last year. So you can see what Andy Dalton was. We saw Cam Newton for two games. So I think that's kind of working against him. I think in, under any other circumstances, he would have been long gone with another team. Well said, Russell. Russell, my final question for you is, I think one of the most intriguing storylines to watch for this season is the AFC North. Big Ben is back. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, uh, the first-round pick. The Browns are the Browns. <laughs> Baltimore had the great season, and then they lost in the divisional round. I'm not going to ask you for a prediction, but what? But I think that's a very interesting division to watch. And well, I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, there were years. There was a steady stream for years where the AFC North was sending at least two, and then sometimes three teams to the playoffs. Right. Okay? You know, and now Cleveland wasn't one of them. You know, <laughs> in in any combination, you know, you'd still Baltimore and Pittsburgh, or Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati, or Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, et cetera, et cetera. The Steelers haven't been there the last couple of years. Last year, we saw what happened with Ben Roethlisberger. The Browns were a major disappointment. That the Ravens stunned everybody last year uh, doing what they did and, and doing what they did and the way they did it. But they also, their defense was a little exposed and it was really hammered by Derrick Henry, who, you know, to me is a, who is a, they ever try to push a refrigerator up a ramp? <laughs> yes. Um, and someone lets go. Yes. <laughs> Derrick Henry running the football in your direction. Yeah, <laughs> um, you know, I, I agree with you. It's a very intriguing division because it, 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 there are great rivalries there. You know, Pittsburgh's kind of always had Cleveland and Cincinnati's number. Them and Baltimore have made up such a great rivalry uh, over the years. Always close games for a while. There it was every game was two or three points and so on. Um, Baltimore didn't do a lot in the, in the off season in terms of free agency, but what they did. I thought was significant. Getting Calais Campbell, I thought was a yeah. very impressive move. Getting Derek Wolf to help them. Um, their run defense has to be better because what you learn in this league is no matter how many points you score, if you can't stop the other team, okay? And I know that sounds rudimentary simple, but I'd like to remind people, the 12 highest scoring teams in NFL history in points in a the season, their Super Bowl trophies add up to Zero. Wow. And Baltimore fell under that category last year. Remember, well over 500 points? Right. If you can't stop the other team, 
It just doesn't matter. And Kansas City was on that list in 2018, and the Rams were on that list in 2018. Uh, you know, remember, you know, Peyton Manning and the Broncos, 606 points in 2000. They only lost the Super Bowl by 35 points. <laughs> Russell, uh, before Will, um, I, I, I actually, that's probably the greatest NFL game that I saw. Speaking of that 2018, that Monday night Chiefs game. Versus the 54-51 game, yeah. Oh, my God. That game was so, so back and forth. But Didn't sorry, didn't. Didn't Michael Jordan hit a three-pointer at the end of that game to win it? <laughs> it, it, it seemed like Maybe it. that wasn't his last dance. So, <laughs> Right. Russell. Yeah, but, but when it was all said and done, neither one of those teams won the Super Bowl. You know, with all those points and everybody – remember after that game, was, this is the future NFL. This is what we're expecting. This is what we – Super Bowl debate. What happened? We had the lowest-scoring Super Bowl at 16 points. So – 60 points, right. Russell, my final question for you is, this is a two-part question. Number one, you look at the Giants and the Jets in New York and what they went through over the past couple of years, and it hasn't been good. They've been the laughing stock of New York sports. What do you you think of what they did this offseason? And I know, forget predictions – but what did you think of their offseason? And number two, did you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite person that you've worked with over the course of your career at all? Oh. <laughs> well, that's probably a tie between 250 people. So, <laughs> yeah, so. But, you know, I've been so fortunate <laughs> right. to work with so many people um, who, you know, I sound like a name dropper, but, you know, I worked, I worked in 1995 expansion draft with Bill Walsh. Wow. Okay. I mean, that was the year that Caroline and Jacksonville came into the league and he mm-hmm. had up on the set and, but in the meetings. And so, I mean, I, I could probably do this all day with the, with, with the different people. And so on. It's been so much fun. Yes. Um, enjoyed. Now I'll get to your question, the Jets and the Giants. Well, the Jets haven't been in the playoffs since 2010. That's right. Um, and the Giants, uh, when they get to the playoffs, usually they win the Super Bowl or they don't get to the playoffs at all. That's what it seems like, okay? Although, though, in 2016, um, they had a pretty good defensive club. Uh, went 11 and 5, wound up as a wild card. Um, then, of course, uh, you know, people will blame a certain uh, boating trip on what happened later. Yeah, and they, they haven't the recovered since. Yeah, yep. they haven't recovered since, and they've gone through, you know, head coaches. Uh, on the, they're on the new head coach again. Um, I think Saquon Barkley is – one of the most talented players in the league, one of the best backs I've seen to come in the league. Uh, Daniel Jones has to learn how to hold on to football, less about interceptions and more about the fumbles. He fumbled right. a lot last year. Um, but they've got to get better defensively. And that's really been the bugaboo for them in the last couple of years. They don't rush the passer uh, consistently. Uh, the guy who led them in sacks last year was Marcus Golden, who, you know, used to play for the Arizona Cardinals, and they didn't bring him back. So, until they get a little balance with that team, again, you know, you're going to have to match up defensively. And listen, that that division was won by a nine and seven team last year. Okay, right. it wasn't you know, it wasn't like you know the Eagles blew anyone away. As for the Jets, I probably like their offseason better than um, the Giants in the sense that they had a definitive need, and that was the offensive line, and they signed three or four veteran free agents 
and addressed it in, in the draft as well. Um, I like them bringing in a Joe Flacco and especially a Frank Gore, okay? Because that's, those are guys who, have, you know, Joe Flacco had a forgettable year last year. Uh, you know, things did not work out in Denver in so many regards and so on and turned out to be a big disappointment. But, you know, what can you say about Frank Gore, okay? I mean, you know, the only person that has more rushing yards is the Energizer Bunny, okay? <laughs> just doesn't stop. And the passion he has for what he's doing. You know, to me, it's less about the yards, even though look where he is right now on the all-time list, and more about the fact that he just consistently gives you – it's not like he's showing up and getting you 150 yards a year, okay? You know, he's more times than not leading the team in rushing, and he's not even necessarily the feature back. So – that's professionalism. You can't necessarily teach that. And remember the Jets last year had to deal with three different quarterbacks in the first two games. Okay. You know, Darnold was out and then uh, injuries and so on. And remember, they were pretty impressive down the, down the street. Yeah. Had to beat the Patriots as do the Buffalo Bills. 30, I'm sorry, five and 35 versus the Patriots the last 20 years of the Buffalo Bills. Wow. But um, I, I like what the Jets did more during the off season uh, than the Giants, but I think the Giants are in a vision that is more for the taking than the Jets are, if that answers your question. Mm. Interesting and well said. I'm a Jets fan. I'm just tired of hearing about, you know, the whole Monday night debacle and, you know, right. Sam Darnold, people actually, you know, just just talking badly about Sam, you know, because Well what have you really it. seen from what we've we really seen from Sam for two years, okay? Um, you got to give the guy a chance and you got to get people around him. His season got derailed last year. It's, it's one of the things I always talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo has been in the league six years. Right. Okay? And yet he started fewer games than Patrick Mahomes, who's been in the league for three years. So right. what have you really seen from Jimmy Garoppolo? You haven't seen a lot of experience. You can't replace playing time. And that is essential in this league. So Sam Darnold, he didn't, his rookie year okay last year the mononucleosis derailed him and then you know he was slow coming but once he got his feet out from underneath him they were a better football team there's no question about it so hopefully he stays healthy this year and an offensive line improvement would certainly help that you had to like the some of the stuff that greg williams did with them defensively mm -hmm. um that to me that division's right for the taking i mean yet we haven't been able to really see that for 20 years okay and um, and it's not just because Tom Brady left. Jimmy Collins, Kyle Van Noy, Ted Karras, Landon Roberts, on and on and on and on. The defections from the New England Patriots, players they cut or players they traded and so on. So um, it's a different year in New England, and maybe it's finally going to be a different year in the AFC East. By, by the way, anybody know the last team to win the AFC East besides the Patriots and what year it was? Miami Dolphins, 2008. <laughs> 2000 what? Eight. You win. Well, nothing, because I have nothing to give you. <laughs> um, yeah, bingo, yeah. And you, you remember who was in charge of the team? That was Tony Sperano, and the, and the director of football operations was Bill Parcells. And Chad Pennington was the quarterback of that team, and yep. the Wildcat was the thing at that time. Yep. Ronnie Brown on a, a Sunday afternoon at New England and Foxborough, and um, you know, they wound up winning uh, division. They were 11-5. and five. New England was 11-5 and five without Brady, but lost out on tiebreakers and so on. But, yeah, 11 straight division titles. The previous record, by the way, was seven. 
they shadowed that man. They shadowed. They shattered that. the Rams from '73 to '79. No team in NFL history has been to the playoffs 11 years in a row, other than New England. So what they have done, and it's not over yet. I have to see them fall on their face mask two, two or three. Yeah, years. yeah that's right. Quote dynasty. People are so you know dynasty over. Well, if they have a winning season this year, by the way, they will tie the all-time record for consecutive winning seasons, which is 20 by the Dallas Cowboys under Tom Landry, 1966-85. That's impressive stuff That's right amazing. there. amazing. Russell, man, me and Will could talk football with you all day, but we know you have to go. Thank you for taking some time. Before well, then you, you and Will can talk football without me for all day, and, <laughs> and you should be fine. So <laughs> I appreciate you having me on. I love doing this, and you guys are obviously a lot of fun uh, to talk to, and hopefully we'll get to do this again. Yes. Likewise, um, how do the people follow you and everything on social uh, media? I'm glad you said social media because I don't know if I necessarily want anybody following me right now. <laughs> and all that. Bax Football Guru on Twitter. Um, also, PFG Vibe on Twitter. Also, Julie Noted underscore PFG uh, for Julie's account. Um, we're always sending out stuff. I The pieces I do for Fanside and NFL Spin Zone. Um, and Pro Football Guru you can find on Facebook, on Instagram, and the web website, of course, is siprofootballguru.com. Excellent stuff there. Russell, once again, thank you for taking some time and continue to be well and continue to stay safe, pal. So thank Absolutely. you again. Wait a minute. Where do I get one of those T-shirts? You want a T-shirt? We'll make we one up for you. We'll mail it to you. We'll DM oh. you. We'll mail one Oh, to you're you. not going to drop it off at the house? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Where, I'm on Long Island. He's in Queens. What part? What in Long Island? Yeah, if you if you want to say, <laughs> Belmore. I I used to live in Flora Park and and Bel and Elmont. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, uh, not so I was far. right. I was right on Jericho Turnpike across the street with seven one eight. I was in five one six. Oh my God. Oh wow. I, You're right. I, I, that's I well. well that's where college there. college and pro football news weekly was based in Roslyn and Port Washington. Wow. Such small a small world. world. Absolutely. It is. Well, it's not that small, but it's getting smaller. So It absolutely is, Russell, without a shadow of a doubt. Russell, thank you so much thank for you coming again, on and sacrificing some time with us. We know you're a busy guy, and we thank you for this opportunity. Really, again, really appreciate it. Thank you. L let's do it again. You guys are a lot of fun. You got the right um, perspective when it comes to doing sports talk and so on. It's fun, and, and it's supposed to be fun. Absolutely. Thank you, Russell. That Thank means you, a lot. Russell. That does mean a lot. Thank you again. No well, problem. that was a one and only Russell Baxter of Fan Sided and NFL Football Guru. Awesome man. Awesome job, pal. Absolutely. An awesome job indeed. Just talking about the, that 2008 season and just brought back so many memories being a Jet fan. Jets released Chad Pennington for Brett Favre. They traded for Brett Favre. Everybody's going hy hyper, everything like that. And then, you know, Jets started off 9-3. and three. They beat your team, which was undefeated that year at that time. They were 10-0, 11-0, whatever they were at that point. I know that they were undefeated. And then after we the ship, the ship wound up sinking right after that. And, dude, just, just really just brought back so many memories of that year. But wound up going to two straight AFC championship games after that. and. You know, the rest after that, it's just been absolutely brutal, to say the very least. But, you know, 
outside of all that stuff, reminding me of 2008 and <laughs> the two AFC championship games and the past Jet history with, with the Patriots winning 11 times in a row with their AFC East division titles. Uh, Russell, great interview and a great guy. Can't wait to have him back on again to talk football with us. One of the more knowledgeable guys that we've had on talking football in yeah. recent memory. And, we'll, and we have to get him a shirt. The man yes. wants a shirt, we'll get that man a shirt. We will get Russell a shirt without a shadow of a doubt. It will happen. Well, before we go, any final thoughts, though? No. Uh, like I said, shout out again to every essential worker out there and shout out to every veteran out there that has defended this country. Without you guys, who knows what America would be like right now. And the same thing goes with the essential worker as well. So just a quick shout out to them and special shout out to the great, great, great Russell for coming on and just Russell Baxter. Russell Baxter. Shout out to Russell Baxter for coming on. We really appreciate you, bud. Thank you. Yeah, well, um, I learned a whole lot how you learned some stuff off of the interviews from Jay uh, Harris that we did uh, the other the, the, uh, the day. Yep. I felt like I, I'm leaving this episode I knowing more than I knew before. So, yep. shout out to him. Well, great job by you as and always. So, for my co-host, William Trucci, a.k.a. Rose C., and Russell Baxter, our guest, I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean on the mic, follow on the board sports. Stay safe and be well. Peace out.